The tech sector continues to grow at a remarkable rate. Still, it remains a highly male-dominated industry. And for all its amazing innovation, tech companies continue to fall short when it comes to recruiting women into senior leadership positions. I'm Mary Hayes Weir from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, we're talking with Chris Byrne, Senior Vice President, Global Operations, Workday, to get her thoughts on this topic. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Mary. Chris, you've been at Workday since nearly the beginning of the company. Where did your tech journey start and how did it progress? My journey started with an engineering degree from a university in America, and then I've had the opportunity to work at three great companies in technology, IBM, PeopleSoft, and then Workday. Fantastic. So now you've been quite successful as a woman in tech. Who and what do you credit for your success? I think to be successful in any industry, and especially the tech industry, it takes a lot of hard work. But I think on top of that, it takes sponsorship and always working with and for great people. Do you have any examples of of some great sponsors that you've had? You know, one of the best stories I have from my career, and I tell it to young females in tech a lot, is when I started off with IBM, I was really working hard, really doing well. And one of the older ladies on the team pulled me aside, and I still remember her name's Kay, and she said, listen, you're doing really good work here. I was like, thank you. And she said, but your boss is taking credit for all of it. And she wagged her finger at me and she said, don't ever let somebody take credit for your work. Oh, that's really good advice. And I still think on that today. And I I tell girls, you know, it's definitely a team sport. Software development and tech is a team sport. But make sure you get credit for what you deliver. And is that just speaking up and, and making people aware? I think it's also making good choices about the tech you work on, the people you work for, and the team that you put yourself on. You know, in, these, mm-hmm. in this day and age, you get a lot of opportunity to own and direct your own career. There's so much opportunity out there. So look at a place that's going to help you be as successful as possible. And I feel very fortunate. You know, I've worked for a Dave Duffield company now for almost 25 years. Wow. And I think to get that kind of sponsorship and opportunity to do your best work has been, uh, you know, has been a big part of what's gotten me here. Well, it sounds like you've had a great journey, but did you ever face resistance as a woman in technology? You know, I think uh, people in any industry, and certainly tech is no different, uh, can suffer from two things. You can be underestimated and you can be intimidated. And I've certainly had examples of both. I think Being underestimated is the interesting one because that takes a strategy of working hard, being your best, looking for sponsorship, and making sure you work with and for great people. On the bullying side, I think, you know, my mother always said, stand up to a bully. I think you have to set your boundaries and make it known um, that people are pushing you too far. And that's something that I think women, Certainly, as I see younger women, they're getting way more comfortable with that. And that's terrific to see because that's what you have to do. Because once a bully is exposed, they stop. You're based out of Workday's European headquarters in Dublin. In Ireland and the UK, in many countries across the globe, there's been a significant push to get girls interested in STEM subjects. Do you think that's making a difference in getting more girls on the path to tech jobs? I'm really happy to see the investment. I think it's important. You know, I, I always tell the story that when I saved my babysitting money as a 12-year-old, the first thing I wanted to buy is a calculator. So cool. <laughs> that first off tells you my age, but also tells you, you know, I was always interested in numbers and tech and math and, and computers and what we could do. And so 
I think we have to encourage that at all levels. You know, I haven't written a line of code in a long time, but I have a job in tech. I have a great job in tech. So I think we don't tell young girls enough about jobs in user experience design, customer success management, technical operations, product management. There are so many roles beyond sitting at a desk in isolation with your headphones on writing code. And I think we need to show people all these different jobs. And I think that could help us a lot. Right. Especially when you think about technology nowadays and trying to make it more consumer oriented, that human touch, that understanding how people are reacting to technologies takes a very specific skill. And it requires a lot of empathy and perspective. You know, we, we say a lot at Workday, see things through the customer's eyes. And your ability to do that, regardless of your gender, makes a big difference. And, and I think there's, there's something about being able to be empathetic, but also to be a woman of action. You know, we need to have both. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe a woman of action? I think when you have the, the opportunity to lead and influence, you should take it. So be an active participant in a meeting. Lead a meeting when you have a meeting in a room. And maybe the table's crowded, and a young female may come in and sit in the back row, not at the table. And I always say, please come to the table. Because you're instantly distancing yourself from the, the action, from the decision making. Be at the table. You're not sure, you're not confident, be at that table anyway. And I would say that to anyone that came into the room. I want everybody at the table because through that diversity of ideas and opinions, that's where we're gonna get the best result. For girls who aren't choosing tech jobs, do you think it's a lack of interest in science and math? Or do you think there's other things that are in play there? I, I don't think it's a lack of interest. I think it's a lack of exposure. You know, we have to role model more and more of these jobs. That's why I'm so pleased this week at European Rising that our CFO, our CIO, our CHRO, our CMO, our head of services, our head of global support, you know, we, we are on stage and with the microphone and leading the discussion. And I think that that is just modeling that behavior can go so far. My male colleagues, they have daughters. They want their daughters to be astronauts and scientists and CEOs and everything else. So I think that whole involvement and respect and building empathy, you know, we want everybody to succeed, not one gender or the other, not one gender over the other, but, but to have everybody who wants to work hard and again, have a seat at the table that they have one. And it is really visible here. It makes me proud to be part of this company to see all the women oh, of leadership. It's terrific, and isn't it? How do you view the importance of gender diversity at the boardroom level? I think it's a really important topic. Again, if you think about being the influencer, the decision maker, being at the table where the action is, I, I, I think you have to have all the voices in the room. One of the filters I have adopted over the last year is something called the 30% Club in Ireland. And we joined this organization in Ireland, and I look at everything now with that 30% lens. It's really telling, and I, I heard Gina Davis last week on a, a podcast about female directors in Hollywood, and she said, you know, to have 10% of women is easy. You're not even trying. But there's something about having 30% in the room. And, and I will say, whether that's a marketing team that's 70% female, it should be 30% male. If you're in a marketing team that's all women, that's a problem as well. I think it just raises everyone's game. And I've had this really unique opportunity of working in Ireland and in Europe for the last uh, several years where I get to feel that fish out of water and I see even the relief it brings to have different cultures at the table. So I think if you start with that 30% lens, just know that when you have 30% diversity, you've made a major improvement. 
that is going to allow us to get to the 50 that you would hope we would get to one day. But 10%, 13%, it's not enough. I always feel at Workday we think that the better decisions come when you have diverse opinions coming together to make that decision. But I think when you have that at the executive level, then it kind of instills that through the, the rest of our company. Because we do know if you want to do things differently, if you want to adapt, if you want to be resilient, if you want to change, anything that you can do to change your perspective, your brain is going to work on that and something great is going to come from it. So when it comes to products as well, right, you have to know your population. And if just one type of person is developing your products, it's not necessarily going to speak to everybody who's going to use it. And isn't gender important to innovation in that way as well? Absolutely. And, and I just heard a, a talk last week from our head of Accessions Open about how just hiring People who wake up every day and think about accessibility is going to change our product. So absolutely, people who wake up every day and think about and bring their ideas to the table, whether you're designing something for the human resource professional, something for a finance professional, something for a procurement professional, it's just going to help make the design better. And user experience design is such a fascinating field. And I think if you look at it now, it, it feels like it's a bit more on the female majority side as opposed to the the male side. So it's going to be interesting as these new fields develop, how do the gender splits happen? That will be interesting. That's encouraging to hear that there's more diversity there. So even outside the boardroom, the stats tell us that the number of women working in technology is still low. Is that shifting? And what are your views on how we change the perception that tech is a man's game? Well, I don't think I've had a career that I've had at IBM PeopleSoft and Workday if tech was a man's game, because believe me, they want you at the table and, and there's space for you at the table. Absolutely, we have to do more at the leadership level, at the sponsorship level, you know, and I think it's getting women to that director and above level, that director VP level is so important. One of the things we did at Workday that I thought was so interesting is you know, we do a lot of investment in people leaders. People leaders need to understand this, that, the other thing, how to build a great team, how to solve uh, conflict. But really, in technology, your architects, your technical leaders have a huge role. They're very influential. They can make or break people's careers. They can sometimes help decide who gets which project, um, who gets to work on which technology. So we've developed a program, we've run it three times now, of taking our individual contributors who are very senior at the technical level and taking them through a set of leadership development practices because you want them to be able to work with people right outside of college, people from across you know, nationalities, people across time zones. And so we found a, just a tremendous payoff in identifying that population. They're not people leaders, but wow, the influence they have on your product direction and your technology choices, and giving them those skills of conflict resolution, of sponsoring the younger people on the team, it's just really paid real benefits for us. We've run it three times now, and, and people have loved it. And also in that cohort, we're looking at our 30% club. Are we 30% female in that practice as well? That's really interesting. Is that primarily the development team? It or? is. It is. So Workday, like other born-in-the-cloud companies, is growing really fast. How do you go about recruiting a, div a diverse workforce, particularly in the UK and Ireland, where there's such a strong competition for talent? Yeah, the competition is everywhere, and, and that is really a challenge for all of us. It's a great problem to have, and that there are lots of jobs and lots of very successful companies, but definitely recruiting is tough. 
Uh, first off, you have to give people career development opportunities. You know, we, we can get people in the door. You're going to keep people. And you're going to keep people by giving them really interesting challenges so that they grow their career. I always say that, you know, the, the company with the, the best T-shirts and the, the, the most free food is not going to win the hearts and minds of the worker today. It's the people who allow someone to stretch and grow and thrive and be on stage at a conference or go develop a product idea. Those are the companies that are going to be successful. So I think when you think about recruiting, you have to think about retention. You also have to make sure that you hire for diversity. So we've got programs now where we're helping people look at their interview panels. For example, if you are interviewing a female engineer, is she only speaking to male engineers doing her interview panel? What message does that send? And Very so you have to really make sure that, that you are looking at every aspect of recruiting and retention. Are you hiring from diverse schools? Are you hiring from diverse skill sets? Are you hiring returning workers? You know, some of the best people I've hired that took 15, 18 years off to have kids and then came into Workday. Yes, I know we have that returnship program at Workday, and I'm so proud of Workday. Even though, having been a mom who never took any time off, I have a lot of respect for moms who did. And seeing that they have that opportunity to get back in, I think is really special. How do we support women through mentorship and peer support programs at Workday? Which ones do you think are most effective? I think women can fall into a bit of a mentorship trap. If I just have the right mentor, everything will work out. I actually think sponsorship and and connection are more valuable. You can go and pay for a coach now to teach you all of the skills that you need. But what you need is someone who can help you adapt those skills in the work environment that you're in. I think having programs where you are visibly showing your interest in a 30% club, in getting more women into director roles, you have to have those visible things, but you also have to make sure at every leadership table, if you're calibrating the team, how do the women end up at calibration? Are you thoughtful? Are you intentional about how you look at that filter? And again, it's women today, it's people of color, it's people of South Asian descent, it's people with different sexual orientations. It's not a women's issue, it's just we're used to talking about it the most. And so I think all of these good habits that we're doing for gender are gonna carry over into other parts of the organization. Sometimes people come to me because I'm a female, they'll think, okay, I gotta to talk to Chris, she'll know what to do, and I'll say, Pick a strong leader, male leader, and brainstorm this out with them. Because sometimes I think we stay in our lanes too much, and we need to get that diversity of opinion on the other side. Not how would you handle this as a female leader? How would you handle this as a leader? So I think we can do a lot without a lot of formal mentorship, because graduating from a mentorship program may do nothing to get you where you need to go. If your executive isn't looking out for you, if people on other teams don't know who you are, if you're hiding your light under a bushel, we say in Kentucky, you know, where people don't know all the good work you're doing because you're letting someone else take credit for it, all of those things have to, have to be done. So when you talk about sponsorship, do you think women or anyone should be active in seeking that out? And is that person always on their team or could it be outside of their team? I've been using the word sponsorship quite a bit lately because I look at, at my own career and it has been people who have put me forward for a role, who have stood on stage and thanked me for a contribution, who have pulled me aside and said, uh, that wasn't great. Those are the people that have helped me the most. And so I think they wouldn't even consider them my sponsor. The, you know, they wouldn't call themselves that, 
but they have done that for me. And so we need to do that for each other. And isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Don't we want everybody that we work with to succeed? Because isn't that what we're here to get done for our customers? So, so I think just bringing that spirit and that attitude of sponsorship to every place that you can makes all the difference. Well, I'm certainly proud of the example that we've provided for women at Workday. What advice would you give to other companies who want to learn from our experience in providing more opportunities for women? I think you have to do a few things. First, you know, we looked at the data and through our best Workday survey, we get to see now are our female employees having the same, different, better experience than our male employees. So that informs us. But then we step back and said, okay, now what does the data tell us? Is it that people want to be promoted to leadership? Is it that we've got a lot of strong technical women who are not getting the right skills to become the architect level, the next level up in their, in their career? So I think you have to do what works for your people and your business, but I think you have to make it a mandate. We have a set of objectives and key results, and this is always on my list of priorities because I know the people I work with, the men and women, want to see the diversity. They don't want to work on an all-male team. Right. They want to see the diversity and they want to, and they want to be an example for other groups. Well, this is one of those subjects we could talk about all day, but that's all we have time for today. And I want to thank Chris Byrne for joining me. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Mary. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast. I'm Mary Hayes-Weir, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.